It is good to see you this morning, and uh, thank you so much for uh, being in the Lord's house. I know it is uh, uh, July 4th, and so I appreciate your uh, being here this morning. I want to put a little word out to Ella. I've got her name. I'll be praying for her all week at camp. And so uh, uh, if these are still available, I don't know if everybody's already got them, but do we have a couple more? Uh, if you would, we've got three or four more of these bands. Uh, I would encourage you to see Megan right after the service. Megan, raise your hand over here. Grab a prayer bracelet. Each bracelet has the name of one of our young people going to camp. And uh, the reason we give you these bracelets is so that you will pray for them because we actually believe in the power of prayer. Amen? Amen? Amen. <laughs> oh, man, I hope you believe in the power of prayer. Right? Amen. Well, grab one of these prayer bracelets, and I know that'll be an encouragement uh, to our young people. If you have your Bible uh, or you need one, there's one in the back, in the seat back uh, pocket there. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 14, Proverbs chapter 14, in the precious Word of God, and we're going to get started with just one simple verse this morning, and then take off from there, and uh, uh, I, listen, I'm going to tell you guys something today, it's going to shock you, shock and awe on July 4th, I won't keep you long today. <laughs> I'm serious guys, I'm ready for a hamburger and a hot dog too, come on. I won't keep you long today. Uh, I know some of you are saying, like, when he says he's not keeping us long, we might want to go get a, a pack of sack lunch. No, seriously, I won't keep you long this morning in the spirit of the day. And, uh, man, Travis is tired. Travis has already been to two weeks at camp. Look at him. He's about ready to fall asleep, so i got to be quick. And uh, you pray for Travis and all of our counselors, uh, Megan and, and the rest of the team going this week to teen camp and Travis, let me just say, and Jackie's upstairs, but thank you. Thank you for your leadership with our young people. And uh, thank you for going to camp. Uh, and uh, I love you and appreciate you so much. Uh, Proverbs chapter 14. Look at verse 34. One verse that we're going to look at and then we'll go from here. The Bible says in verse number 34, righteousness, uh-oh, <laughs> righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And today, as we take time as a nation to celebrate our birthday, happy birthday, Battlefield, happy birthday, America, America, happy birthday, America. <laughs> as we take time to celebrate our birthday and our declaration of independence from Great Britain, can I just put out a prayer request? I just want to put out a prayer request, and I'm praying that at least for today, could you do this for me for at least for a day that we might dispel with the rhetoric surrounding all the things we hate about America and that we might focus on and celebrate the things that we actually love in this country? I don't know. You might just smile if we do that today. Oh, yes, typically we celebrate this day with family, with food. In fact, my only problem was I got home yesterday after being up here and doing some things around the building, and we had a tree that fell down across the way at the church house there, and so I was doing my best Joe Beaver's impression. I was cutting up tree and everything. And after I got home, my only problem was I got home, and I looked in the refrigerator, and I love my wife. Let me preface this. I saw a little itty-bitty package of hamburger. I said, girl, I said, girl, that's not enough hamburger. And she says, look at it. It's, it's enough to make four burgers. I said, for little people, maybe. <laughs> oh, man, we need more burger. We mean, we, listen, 4th of July, which typically a time for family. It's a time for food. It's a time, and, and to be honest, I'm okay if you do fireworks until about 8.30. After 8.30, you better put them things to rest because I'm trying to get some sleep. This isn't uh, January 1st. We're not trying to stay up all night, okay? Oh, man, it's a time for family and food and fireworks, but I'm not really sure that we ever take time to remember, to teach, and to rejoice in the fact that when our founding fathers signed that Declaration of Independence oh so long ago from Great Britain, that actually what they were doing at the very same time was declaring their dependence on God. 
You see, they were saying one thing to Great Britain, one thing to King George, and another thing to God. And yet I'm not sure we ever take time to celebrate that. In fact, I would suggest that these men who crafted the Declaration of Independence were extremely careful to remember God even throughout their writing in the Declaration itself. In fact, look on the screen in the second paragraph of this new Declaration. Here's what these men put together. They said, we hold these truths. Well, what truths are they talking about? They said, we hold these truths to be self-evident that I've got it underlined, all men. All men. Red and yellow, black, brown, and white, all men are created equal. Now watch this. And that they are endowed. That word endowed is a fancy old school word that just simply means gifted. They are gifted, but who did they get the gift from? The Creator. And Colby was just talking about our Creator. That He is the Creator God. He spoke the universe into existence. He holds it in His hands. By Him all things consist. Now, go back to the declaration. It says that all men are created equal and that they are endowed or gifted by their Creator. Listen, they, they didn't believe that they came from a big bang. They didn't believe that it was evolution that brought them about. They believed that it was by their creator that they had been endowed with all these gifts. And look what they said. They had been endowed. By the way, it wasn't a country or government. It wasn't a country or government. They said it was the creator that gave them these certain unalienable rights that among them, now watch it, it's very plain in my text, life, liberty. By the way, the God who gave us life gave us liberty at the same time. Before the foundation of the world, Jesus was and is and always will be. And so at the very beginning, when the God gave us life, He gave us liberty. He gave us freedom at the same time. And then they actually added the pursuit of happiness. If you want to be miserable, I tell people all the time, you want to be miserable, go right on down the road. There's another church waiting for you. I don't want to be miserable. I hope that you don't want to be miserable. Man, we have so much to be thankful for. They concluded this declaration by saying this. They said, with a firm reliance. Now that word reliance, it actually means that they were depending. Reliance, to depend. They were depending, watch, it says a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. You know who that's speaking of? Speaking of God. They had a dependence upon God. That, and then this is what they said. They said, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Interestingly enough, I did a little word search on this word independence. And you know what it speaks of? Independence speaks of freedom from dependence on or on the control by another person, organization, country, or state. And so some synonyms that are there, self-dependence, self-reliance, self-subsistence, self-sufficiency, self-support. This is what independence looks like. Remember, they're declaring their independence from King George, Great Britain, England. They're saying, listen, what we're saying to you is that we don't need your help anymore, sir. We don't need your repression. Uh, we don't need your repressive uh, rules and regulations anymore. We don't need your oversight any longer. We don't want your help any longer. Leave us alone. We're setting up a new nation founded on the principles of God. That's what they were saying to King George. Oh, but how far have we come? You see, no matter what you or I think about these imperfect men, by the way, is there anybody in this room perfect today? I just wanted to clarify because, see, we love tearing down people who can't even fend for themselves anymore. But these men were imperfect. Amen. That means they were sinners. Such as I am a sinner saved by grace. We got to be careful about getting our halo on so tight that we condemn everybody else while lifting up our own selves. These were imperfect men, but no matter what you think about them, they banded together, and when they banded together to declare their independence from Great Britain, they were at the same time saying, hey, let's join arms, let's hold hands, let's be together in this declaration of dependence on God. So you know what I say? I say happy Dependence Day. 
Forever let us remember that July 4th should remind you and me and every one of us that this is the day that our founding fathers said, guess what? We're going to rely on God. Oh, but it's been a long time since, in fact, I don't know that I've ever heard that message. Happy Dependence Day, Battlefield. But here's the thing. I don't want you just to trust me. Like, you guys are like, oh, well, the pastor just read two little short excerpts from the Declaration of Independence. He didn't read any other things. And quite honestly, I'm not real sure I trust those men to sign the Declaration of Independence. Well, don't trust me. Listen to their own words, what they believed and what they said. It was John Adams, the signer of the Declaration of Independence and second president of the United States who said, the general principles on which the fathers achieve independence were the general principles of what? Christianity. He said, I will avow that I then believed and now believe that those general principles of Christianity are as eternal and immutable, that means unchanging, as the existence and attributes of God. Here's one that I'm sure you've never heard of. His name was Josiah Bartlett. His name was Josiah Bartlett. He was a military officer, but he also was a signer of the Declaration of Independence. And actually, he one day became the governor of the uh, state of New Hampshire. And so here's what he said to the people of New Hampshire. He asked the people of New Hampshire to confess, confess before God their aggravated transgressions. That means he believed that they were sinners too. He says, I beg you, I implore you to confess your aggravated transgressions, implore you, implore his pardon and forgiveness through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, that the knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ may be made known to all nations, pure and undefiled religion, that's taken from the book of James, uh, universally prevail, and that the earth be filled with the glory of God. You know what Josiah Bartlett was? He was a mission-minded man. He not only believed in Jesus, he wanted the gospel of Jesus to go all around the world. He didn't want it just to stay in America. He wanted it to go to the regions beyond. Charles Carroll. Charles Carroll was a signer of the Declaration of Independence as well. He was also later one of the framers of the Bill of Rights and a senator. And here's what he wrote. He said, on the mercy and grace of my Redeemer, I rely for salvation and on his merits, not on the works that I have done in obedience to his precepts. He goes on, he says, I am grateful to Almighty God for the blessings which through Jesus Christ our Lord, now watch what he says here, that he had conferred on my beloved country in her emancipation or her freedom, her making of her freedom, and on myself and permitting me under the circumstances of mercy to live to the ripe old age of 89 years and to survive the 50th year of independence adopted by the Congress on 4th of July, 1776, which I originally subscribed on the second day of August of the same year and of which I am now the last surviving signer. And then notice he finishes it up. He says, I, Charles Carroll... He says, here's what I say, give and bequeath my soul to God who gave it and my body to the earth, hoping that through and by the merits, sufferings, and mediation of my only Savior and Jesus Christ, I may be admitted into the kingdom prepared by my God for those who love, fear, and truly serve him. Oh my gosh, guys, these are just a few. I could go on all day. Oh, here's one, uh, here's one from Samuel Adams. No, not the beer, the man. Everybody looks and talks about Samuel Adams. We forget that that was actually a person. And here's what he said. He is signer of the Declaration of Independence. In fact, Samuel Adams was known as the father of, America, of the American Revolution. And here's what he said. He said, I rely upon the merits of Jesus Christ for the pardon of all my sin. You know what Samuel Adams knew? He knew that he was a sinner that needed the grace of Jesus Christ to save him from himself and his own sin. He knew that without Jesus Christ, he was headed for an eternity separated from God. Now watch what he says. He says, I rely on the merits of Jesus Christ for a pardon of all my sins. The name of the Lord, says the scripture, is a strong tower. Amen? He says, therefore, let us secure his favor. And watch the last part. And he, God, he... He's speaking of God. He says, He will lead us through the journey of this life and at length receive us to a better one. Now, I don't know, folks. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe in my nearly 55 years of life, I'm a bit naive. But these testimonials do not sound to me like men who were not connected to God and Jesus Christ. 
And like I said, I don't have time to read them all, but I could go on for a while. And you guys would be saying, well, you broke your promise. You said you weren't going to keep us a while. Historically, what we have to do, just like we did our study in the book of the Revelation of the seven churches of Revelation, I want to, I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to break out the history books and go back, not only in the history of this country, but go back and see what God was doing in this country from the years of 1740 to the years of 1776 and beyond. This country was exploding with revival all around the world, all around this country. People were getting saved. They were beginning to see that their life, liberty, and this pursuit of happiness was not something that would come from King George or Great Britain. They were beginning to see that real freedom only came from God himself. This is what caused them to branch out to say, you know what? No, we don't want to be under impression anymore. We want to be free. We want to live. We want to exercise our faith according to the dictates that we find in the very word of God. And the decision to declare their independence, folks, from England was not an easy one. It was not a hasty decision by a bunch of rebel rousers. They got together down at the local pub and just said, hey, let's write up some document. We're going to declare our independence from Great Britain. No, it wasn't an easy decision. It cost men their lives. They gave their lives in defense. And I was reading the other day that before the Revolutionary War, if the colonists complained about anything, if you look back in history, King George would actually send more troops and put more martial law and more pressure on the colonists of that day. If people, if protests uh, would arise, he'd put those down quickly. If there were any dissenting voices, guess what? They'd be silenced. And I don't want to tell you how they'd be silenced, but they wouldn't make a noise anymore so you could figure out how they got put down. Law after law was enacted as a show of force. And if necessary, blood was shed. Skirmishes between the militia and the regular army of, of, of King George of Great Britain led to the loss of life. You can read about battles such as the battles of Lexington and Concord. And then the colonists, the militia, they started thinking, man, we got Boston surrounded. And read your history. We've got Boston surrounded. We've got them on their heels. And so that led to the battle of Bunker Hill. And if you know, the colonists suffered great losses at Bunker Hill. And so this wasn't some easy decision. But all while this was going on up north, there was a fiery patriot here in Virginia. His name was Patrick Henry. And Patrick Henry was saying this. He was saying that all this was being done in the holy cause of liberty. In his famous speech to the Virginia Provincial Council, he proclaimed this. He said, sir, we shall not fight our battles alone. He said, there's a just God who presides over the destiny of nations and who will raise up friends to fight our battle for us. He said, the battle, sir, is not to the strong alone. It is to the vigilant, the active, and the brave. Can I tell you that the battle that we face today is not one that we fight alone. Jesus is with us. It's to the vigilant. It's to the active. It's to the brave. Listen, to walk this journey of life, you're going to have to exercise some faith. You know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's what the scripture says, not what Greg says. Oh yes, the desire of this new nation's declaration of independence was resting solely. It was resting completely on the dedication, their dedication and their dependence on God to provide as He willed. In other words, these men were leaving the results up to Him they were saying, God, we're going to trust you in this endeavor. We believe it's a holy endeavor. We believe that this is right biblically and scripturally. And we're going to leave the results up to you. And if we die, we die. Oh, would to God that we would be men and women who would leave the results up to God in our day and time. By the way, we're not the only nation, or we're not even the first nation, if you please to uh, deal with our independence from an oppression rule, oppressive rule, and under another nation, while at the same time wanting to declare dependence on God. You remember there was a nation called Israel. They were, they were under, under oppression uh, there in a place called Egypt. Do you remember how the children of Israel were in Egypt? And God tells Moses, he says, all right, go on over there. I've heard the cry of my people. I've heard them crying for independence. 
So Moses, you go on over, and I'm going to use you. And Moses is like, oh, God, how are you going to use me? And, you know, God, by the way, don't, don't argue with God when God says it. Just do it. Moses tried to argue. Jacob tried to argue. There are a lot of people in Scripture who tried to argue with God, and we see how that worked out. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8. I want you to see something this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 8. That's Old Testament. All right. Over there, page 136. <laughs> in my Bible. <laughs> turn, turn to page 136. <laughs> turn to Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 8. And once you get there, uh, once you get there, say amen. If you're playing along this morning, say amen. And then when you get there, I want you to look across the page. In my Bible, it's right on the same opening of the page. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 7 because I want you to see something about these children of Israel. Look, it says, Deuteronomy 7 in verse 6 reveals that Israel, watch it says, For they were a holy people unto the Lord thy God. And it tells us that God had chosen them to be special he says, I've chosen you to be a special people unto myself above all the people that are on the face of the earth. Folks, God loved and he still loves Israel. But that doesn't mean he doesn't love you. He loves you too. Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world. Those who trust, believe, and receive. Man, what a day. What a day that is when we come into uh, connection with Christ in this relationship, look at Deuteronomy chapter 8. Look at verse 7. Because beginning in verse 7, we find Moses telling the people, now listen, they're out in the wilderness. Things haven't gone exactly how they planned yet. They're out in the wilderness. But notice what Moses says in verse 7. He says, for the Lord thy God bringeth. Now that's in my Bible, says bringeth. But what it really means is he is bringing. The Lord God is bringing you into a good land. He says, a land of brooks of water and fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey. Verse 9, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. In other words, it's going to be in abundant supply. He says, that thou shalt not lack anything in it. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. But look at verse number 10. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he has given thee. That word bless there where it says, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God, it speaks of thankfulness. Moses is saying, when God brings you into this place, you better thank him. You better be thankful when he does all these things. Oh, happy Dependence Day. Oh, happy Dependence Day. Because much like Israel did when God brought them into a good land, I would just have to say, and I don't think anybody in this room would disagree, I would dare say that you and I in this country have eaten and we are full and we've got our bellies full of all the good things in this good land. Have you been blessed? I got news for you. I had to go the other day down to Mississippi and you say, had to? Yes, I did because a real close friend of mine, a pastor friend, who I text with every Sunday. I pray for him and he prays for me. He passed away last Saturday. I didn't tell you guys. And so if I seemed a little off last Sunday, I probably was. But I went down for his homegoing service. Was able to speak and have a part in that service. And as I came back, it was a long journey back. I won't get into the details. But it was just after midnight, I was taking the shuttle bus to the parking garage over at Dulles Airport. Uh, in the wee hours of Friday morning, and there were about four or five ladies that got on the shuttle bus with me, and they had been down to Cancun, Mexico. And you say, well, how do you know? Because they all had Cancun, Mexico t-shirts. You know, it's like, I went on this trip, and I got the t-shirt, <laughs> right? It's like, we, we have thousands of t-shirts, but everywhere we go, Americans just love to buy t-shirts. Uh, I like hats. But anyway, they had these t-shirts on, and I said, oh, I said, you know, me the smart guy. I said, did you guys go to Cancun? <laughs> I said, did, did you guys go to Cancun? And like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, shaking their head at me like, what do you got to think, say about it? And I said, I said, how was it? I said, I've never been there. I said, now I've been to Mexico. I've been to other places in Mexico, but I've never been to Cancun. Is it beautiful? 
And this one lady said, it was an eye-opener. And I said, what do you mean? She said, it was an eye-opener. She said, I'm glad we went because we had no clue. And I said, what clue? She said, we're all, we're all, we've taken for granted. We've been angry at our own country. We've, and she started to tell me how that their eyes were opened to how blessed we are in the United States of America. And I told her, I said, yeah, I've been on trips all around the world. And whenever you think you got it bad, I want to encourage you to take a missions trip. I want to encourage you to take a missions trip to parts of Africa. I want you to take a missions trip down to Colombia, South America. Right, Michaela? You've been down there. I want you to take a missions trip to Mexico. I want you to take a missions trip to good old Canada that everybody thinks is so great. I want you to take a missions trip to England, to, to Wales, to Romania, to Italy, to on and on and see how the rest of the world lives. Oh, listen, I think we have eaten. I think we're full up to our bellies in this good land that God has placed us in. Oh, we can find fault all the time. But wouldn't it be better to point people to Jesus? Wouldn't our time be better spent if we worship Jesus and we point people to Jesus rather than condemning one another, criticizing one another, and just filled with hate and vulgarity? It's just crazy. What is going on? But notice all. Keep reading. I don't want to stop there. Listen. Look at verse number 11. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, because Moses goes on, he says, now listen, at, the, at verse 10, he says, when you've eaten and are full, he says, you're going to be blessed. You, you need to bless the Lord. You need to be thankful for what he gives to you. But notice in verse number 11, he says, beware. Now that word beware means to be cautious. Be alert to the dangers that are lurking. He says, beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God. Uh-oh. Hello, America. Happy Dependence Day. He says, beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day, lest, look at verse 12, when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold multiplied and all that thou hast is multiplied, look at verse 14, then, here's what happens. See, when we get these nice houses, we get nice cars, we get nice jobs, we get nice clothes, we get nice hairdos, can't you tell? We say, get off of me. Look at me. Look at me, God. Look what I did. Moses is saying, you better beware. Because look at verse 14. He says, because then thy heart be lifted up. You know what that is? That's speaking of pride. Then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord thy God. Now, he says, the Lord thy God which brought you out of the land. Out of Egypt from the house of bondage. The same God who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness wherein the fiery serpents, the scorpions, and the drought where there was no water who brought thee forth water out of a rock even though I got angry and I struck the rock and got angry and I don't get to go in but guess what? God gave you water out of the rock. He says, watch this. He says, verse 16, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna which you hated and you got mad at him and so guess what? He gave you quail till it came out of your nostrils. And then he says, and which thy fathers knew not that he might humble thee and that he might prove thee to do thee good at a latter end. Look at verse 17. And thou say in thy heart, here it goes again, See, in verse 14, your heart gets lifted up. You start to feel something. You start, it's starting to bubble up. But then by the time you get to verse 17, he says, and that your heart says. That your heart begins to speak. You know the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He says, so here it is. You've been filled up. You've been lifted up in your heart. You get this spirit of pride bubbling up, America. You start saying, USA, 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 USA. And you forget that it's God that brought it all about. He says, and they'll say in thy heart, my power and by the might of my hand hath gotten me this wealth. Oh, how we need to heed the same type of warning here and now today, July the 4th. 2021 because our greatness is not and will not ever 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 be found in our government it will never be found in our country our greatness can and will and only ever will be found in Jesus Christ the Lord our God and you know what we can get excited but we got to get excited other than just in here we got to get excited when we go out the doors and live it like we believe it 
Proverbs 14, 34 again, sorry, declares righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. See, apart from Jesus, you remember what Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 64, 6. Apart from Jesus, our righteousness, our righteousness is, is actually what Isaiah 64 says, our righteousness is, is an unclean thing. It's like a filthy rag. The only good, what's Proverbs 14, 34 say? Righteousness exalts a nation. Can I tell you, the only way a nation is righteous is if the nation is abiding in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Oh, but we have a problem, don't we? See, that's why we must be careful about boasting about things. That's why we have to be very careful about getting our halo on tight. We can't boast about anything except Jesus and save the cross of Jesus Christ, as uh, Galatians 6.12 tells us. Oh, listen, after, after, and by the way, the principle of James chapter 4 and verse number 17 is at play. It really is at play. It, it, it's this verse that, that indicates that for him to knoweth to do good and to do it not, to him it is sin. So if we know that something is right biblically and we don't do it, I got news for me and you and everyone else. It's, it's actually sin to God. Look back with me one last time. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Look at verse 18. Notice what Moses says beginning here. He says, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he. Now, I underline he in my Bible. He that giveth thee power to get wealth. It's he that may establish his covenant, which he sware unto thy fathers, as it is this day. Verse number 19. And it shall be that if you... And so, here, here's what Moses is saying. He said, hey, here's a little warning. It's going to be, look at verse number 19, if you do it all, forget the Lord thy God, and if you walk after other gods, little g, if you serve these other gods, if you worship these other gods, he says, I testify you this day that you shall surely perish. Verse 20, as the nations which the Lord destroyeth, that word destroyeth is speaking of is destroying before their faces. So shall ye perish because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord thy God. Folks, as a nation that once declared our dependence from the tyranny and we based our societal, our temporary uh, freedoms solely on the dependence of Almighty God, we've lost our way. And I hate to say this, but the Bible reminds me of another principle. Judgment must start. Where? Where? At the house of God. Before we go out these doors and we start pointing a finger at anybody else, we better get real honest with ourselves and with God. Where are we? When we get more excited about the USA than we do about Jesus, there's a problem. Oh, I'm thankful for the USA. I served in the military. I, I wanted to try every branch, so I did the Marine Corps for a while, and then I did the Army, and then I just ran out of time. They said, sir, you, can no longer, you can't do the Navy and the Air Force. I was like, hey, I was just going to try them all. Oh, I'm, I'm as patriotic as they come. Oh, yeah. I wave that flag of freedom all the time. I got a flag waving right now out front of my house. But can I tell you something? America ain't sending me to heaven. Jesus is. That doesn't mean I hate America. I love it. I celebrate it. I want to be, I, I, I want to be, you know, I, I, I'm as much patriot as the next guy. But it's Jesus who has taken me on to glory. Oh, listen, sadly, this concept of independence has led many believers to adopt unbiblical ideologies. You remember those synonyms that I shared with you after I read the definition of, of independence? We, unbiblical ideologies seem to be sweeping the believers' hearts all around this world, especially in the United States. Those synonyms that speak of our self-dependence. When you become self-dependent, sir or ma'am, you have told God you no longer need Him. When you have become self-reliant, you're saying, God, I don't need you anymore. I'm independent of your ways and your word. You're, when you become self-subsistent, you say, God, I can make my own living. I can feed myself. Oh, no, you can't. Oh, listen, when we become self-sufficient and we think that we can do everything on our own, we are headed for a fall. But my friends, God has not equipped you He's not equipped me 
to live that way. He's not equipped us to live a life of being a lone ranger. And certainly the past 16 months have been fraught with one thing or another, but probably one of the greatest hindrances to the work of God and to His church, even more, even more so than COVID, even more so than anxiety, even so more than fear, even so more than anything else that you could fill in the blank, is the mindset and the attitude of pride. The mindset and the attitude of pride. This is what God was warning the children of Israel about. And quite honestly, as Americans, I hate to be the bearer of bad and good news at the same time, but quite honestly, as Americans, we do a lot of bragging. We do a lot of bragging. I know I only hear Linda saying that's right, but I know everybody in this room knows it's right. We do a lot of bragging. We're like, (laughs) shake it out, look at me, wearing a red, white, and a blue, where the stars and stripes and the eagles fly. That's a good song, by the way. We do a lot of bragging. You know, Olympics are coming up. I see people watching sports at Olympics time. Now you say, I ain't watching anymore because they turn their back on the flag or whatever. Whatever. You make that decision for yourself. But at Olympic times, you know what I hear people talking about? They go, USA, 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 USA. We're number one. We're number one. We're number one. Oh, yeah, you're right, sir. Ma'am, young person, we're number one. But we're number one in some things that you don't want to be number one in. You see, America's number one in sexual perversion. Number one in abortion. Number one in crime. Number one in the destruction of the biblical family. We're number one in propagating hate in the world today. We're number one when it comes to the enforcement of political correctness. But I can tell you one thing that we're no longer number one in, and that's in heeding and reading and heeding and applying the Word of God to our lives. We're no longer number one. We no longer are the missionary country that sends out missionaries all around the world. We're not concerned with that. Oh, yes, we're number one in a lot of things. But I just said, I wrote this on the plane. I wrote this next phrase on the plane. It was very theological. After I put down this number one junk, in capital letters on my document here say, shame on us. Shame on us. Shame on us for not standing up and saying it's wrong. Shame on us for not going and and letting our voices be heard. Shame on us. Because as believers, you remember what I read to you about in Deuteronomy chapter 7 where where God had said that Israel was a chosen people, that they were special to him above all the people of all the earth. Can I tell you that as believers, you and I have been joined in, we've been grafted in, if you please, with the nation of Israel. And Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9, he says this, he says that you too are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Oh, I'm peculiar. Ask my wife. Just ask her. It's okay. I'm okay with being peculiar. A peculiar people that ye should show forth. Here it is. The praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. If we're going to celebrate something, instead of getting all crazy about all kind of other things, we ought to be celebrating Jesus. Because this was the country who said, yes, we're declaring our independence from you because we're going to start depending on God. And we got to get back to it. We got to get back to it. Regrettably, though, we've been duped by the devil. Have you ever been duped by the devil? I have. You ever bought into his lies? Have you ever been, have you ever been twisted and pulled different ways by the devil? We get duped by the devil all the time. And instead of declaring our independence from sin, what we have done in this country is we have declared our independence from God. We've declared our independence from His Word. We've declared our independence from His will, His ways, His his church. We said, I'm not going to church anymore. Now listen. Oh, God help me. I wash my hands with great regularity. I want to be careful everywhere I go. I don't want you giving me COVID and I don't want to give you COVID. I don't want you to give me a cold, by the way. You keep your own little nasty nasal cold and nasal drip to yourself. But what are we doing in this country where we have allowed a pandemic to tell us we're not going to worship Jesus anymore? I got news for you. 
I got news for you. I stayed home a while when we started this. Remember, I was recording the messages. And I can tell you, when I'm at home, and listen, I, if you're at home worshiping, I want you back here in the house of God. It's July 4th. It's time to get back. It's time. It's just time. We want to get Sunday school started again. But guess what? We need some people to step up and say, I'll be willing to teach a kid's class. I'll be willing to change a baby's diaper. I'll be willing to teach a men's class or a women's class. We need people to serve the Lord with gladness and come into His presence with thanksgiving. Because guess what? I got news for you, Battlefield. A little tough love. I didn't even have it in my message, but anyway. A little tough love. I can't teach 12 classes at once. I love you. We need some people to stand up and say, I'm going to serve the Lord. You used to sing in the choir. It's time to get your voices up and sing out for the Lord Jesus Christ. When we sing our worship songs, man, this place ought to be rocking because we're singing about Jesus. I hear more noise when I watch. When I, and by the way, I don't even watch it. When I turn the channel, and you could say what you want about me, I've not watched basketball and I've not watched baseball this year. And, and I'll just be honest. I just... I hear people chanting and rooting. Listen, I, I got my Nationals t-shirt. I got my Stanley Cup uh, uh, caps t-shirt and hat and all that stuff. I, I, I love the Wizards. I wish they would actually win once in a while. Listen, I, but you know what? When we get more excited about sporting events than we do Jesus, we got a problem. We got a problem. It's time to worship Jesus. None of us have a blank check on tomorrow. My pastor friend down in Mississippi... He found out last Saturday when God called him home. He got up in the morning. He didn't expect to step out into eternity, but guess what he did? And you know what? He was a man who believed to live as Christ, to die as gain. So he, I, he, he would say, don't have a sad pity party for me because I'm enjoying the glory of heaven. But he leaves behind people who mourn his loss. Regrettably, we've been duped by the devil. And as a result, this land that I love is going through turbulent times. But here's what the Bible says in Job 4, 8. The Bible says, They that plow iniquity and sow wickedness, they're going to reap the same. Proverbs 22 and verse 8. He that soweth iniquity shall reap vanity. Now I'm going to skip down to Hosea. Hosea chapter 8 and verse 7. For they have sown the wind and they shall reap the whirlwind. Galatians 6 and verse 7. The Bible says, Be not deceived because God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Oh listen, whatever a nation that was once filled with believers' sows, I got news for you, that nation is going to reap. A nation that was once filled with believers, whatever they sow, that's what they're going to reap. Folks, the devil has had a field day in the good old United States of America, and it's nothing new. And I offer for evidence something that was a monologue that was offered 56 years ago this year. Watch. If I were the devil, if I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness, and I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree, the. So I'd set about however necessary to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old, I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington, and then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions, just let those run wild. Until before you knew it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, 
I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who wanted until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. And what'll you bet? I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich. I would caution against extremes in hard work, in patriotism, in moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus I could undress you in public, and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Paul Harvey. Good day. That was 56 years ago. 56 years ago, a man on the radio simply talking about what was taking place then. And I look, and the sad thing, it's eerie. It's eerie to consider all the things that he says in this monologue 56 years ago have actually come to pass. No longer do we have sniffing dogs and metal detectors. We actually have officers that have to be stationed at our schools. And why did it all happen? I think I can learn a lesson here from Moses' words to the children of Israel. I'm not trying to do replacement theology. But I believe I can see a principle here. Moses said, you guys better beware. You better beware that you forget not God. Because the day that you do, the day that you start serving, the day that you start following, the day that you start worshiping these other gods, little g, is the day that you perish. You see, somewhere along the way, we as believers have forgotten the Lord our God in just about every facet of life. Oh yes, Proverbs 14, 34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Folks, Jesus Christ's righteousness has been conferred upon us at believing. When we believe, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, His righteousness is conferred upon us. Not because we deserve it, but because He is righteous. And because God the Father says, guess what? You're now righteous because you have placed your faith in my Son who is righteous. Oh listen, we're not our own. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 20 says that we have been bought with a price. Therefore we're to glorify God in our body and in our spirits, which are the Lord's. We can no longer live in sin because the Bible says that sin is a reproach to any people. In other words, a sinful nation is a nation in which people of God have gone astray. Hello? Sin is a reproach to any people. A sinful nation is a nation in which people no longer approach God in worship on a regular basis. They no longer consult God. They no longer ask him what his will is concerning decisions according to his word. They have no ear for the preaching of God's word. That's why in many churches, you'll not hear a message that even reads a lot of scripture. You'll hear a lot of mumbo jumbo. You'll hear a lot of psychology. You'll hear a lot of feel good, fancy free thoughts and, and feelings. Why? Because most people just don't have an ear to hear what thus saith the Lord. You see, sacred living is thrown to the wind while we pursue gain, selfish gain and selfish pleasure. But I want you to notice what the Bible tells us in Titus chapter 3. In Titus chapter 3, beginning in verse number 3, here's what Scripture says. It says here, we ourselves, in verse number 3, Paul declaring to Titus, he says, we ourselves are also, we're sometimes foolish. Hello, I've been there. 
We were, one, we were sometimes foolish and disobedient, deceived. We were serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy and hateful and hating one another. That sounds like 2021. For believers, not just for those that aren't believers. Some of these characteristics I'm reading, I see in the lives of believers. It says, we were this. But notice what Paul says to Titus. He says in verse number 4, he says, but after that, after we were all those things, the kindness and the love of God, our Savior toward man, appeared. After we were at war with God, after we were walking and dead in our trespasses and sin, he says, the kindness and love of God, our Savior towards man, appeared. Verse 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Verse 7, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And if you look right across the page in Titus, from Titus 3 to back to Titus chapter 2 and verse number 11, iconic passage of Scripture, in verse number 11 and following, the Bible says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to how many men? To all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Listen, listen, Battlefield Baptist Church, it's time for us to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Happy Dependence Day. You see, because when Christ sets us free, He calls us to responsible living. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 12 and verse 48, for to whomsoever much is given shall much be required. We've been given a good land. We have eaten and we are full. But it's no longer time to declare our independence from God. It's time to go back to where our founding fathers were when they declared independence from one country at the same time they were declaring their dependence on God. I put in my notes, it's time as believers, and I put in America, but let's bring it closer to home. It's time for believers at Battlefield Baptist Church, it's time for us to wake up. It's high time that we wake out of our sleep. It's time to wake up. Pastor Skinner used to say, this train's moving on. It's time to wake up before that train has moved on out. We're all a part of it. It's time for us as believers at Battlefield Baptist Church to pray for revival. And by the way, we need to be praying that that revival would start with us. See, you know how we typically pray for revival? We point the finger. Oh God, would you bring revival in my wife's heart? The one who probably needs revival, sir, if, if that's your prayer, is you. Ma'am, if your prayer is, oh, I wish you'd bring revival in my husband's heart. I wish you'd do something in my kid's heart. I wish you'd do something in that pastor's heart. No, the problem with the person with the problem is probably you. Remember, when we point the finger at other people, you got three more coming back at you. It's time for us to pray for revival. It's time for us to stand up, as the song says, stand up, stand up for Jesus. We're soldiers of the cross. It's time for us to lift high his royal banner because it must not suffer loss. It's time for us as believers in America to put our Lord back on the throne of our hearts and our lives. And so I simply say, do it. It's Happy Dependence Day. Probably not the message you thought you'd hear today, but I pray it was the message that you needed. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.